Now, if there were to be a fifth gospel, right? Because we have four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If there were to be a fifth gospel, it would definitely be the book of Romans, the gospel according, according to Paul. Because of the theologically rich content throughout its chapters, it, it really breaks down the, the message and the gospel of salvation. Now, during the time when Paul was writing the letter to the Romans, there was already an established church in Rome. Okay, Paul didn't plant that church as he had other churches. Now, the origins of who started the church in Rome remain unclear. Right, according to the, um, uh, the beliefs of the Catholic church, they believe that it was Peter who started the church there, but uh, there's not enough evidence to support that. Um, but it, it's probable, and it's, it's my assumption that from the events at Pentecost, that there were Roman citizens that were there present, they, they, they believed, they received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's probable that Christianity made its way into Rome because of what happened at Pentecost, bringing the gospel back to Rome. But what we know is we know that there was a group of believers. It says in chapter 1, we're not going to go there, but it says that, that Paul was, was encouraged that because the faith of the believers there in Rome spread throughout the land. And so he was encouraged and wanted to go see them. When Romans was being written by Paul, he, he was eager to go see them and to go encourage them. Now, the need to create a systematic dissertation of the gospel of Romans leads me to believe that there was spiritual leadership that lacked there. So Paul was writing Romans, and it's, it's the longest epistle that, that he had written, the longest letter and, and it was systematic, and it was a breakdown unlike any other letter. And I believe the reason why that was is because there wasn't a, a, a leader over that church, just a, a, a bunch of believers that were on fire for the Lord, but it lacked leadership. And so Paul was eager to go there. So, you know, there was a need to provide a, a foundation of, of, of spiritual growth, of leadership, and, and that's why Romans was written. So even though Romans, right, can be uh, viewed as drinking from a fire hydrant type of book to read, right? It's, it's so full of, of, inf, uh, of theological information, of, of good, strong uh, spiritual growth, right? Those that read Romans, it's, it's very rich, so even though it's viewed as, as drinking from a fire hydrant, uh, it was meant to provide the fundamentals for the early Christian. And, and it, was mean to, it was meant to bring clarity of the gospel message. Now in chapter 1, we begin with Paul confirming the calling that God has placed upon his life. Let's read that in verse 1. He begins with saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry. A servant of Christ Jesus. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, 
And we will stop right there. Now, this introduction in verse 1 is weighted with conviction and with depth. Now, why it's so weighty and why it's so, why it, it impacts us this morning, why it should impact us, is because this wasn't written when Paul was a new convert. This was written 25 years after his conversion in Damascus. He was on the road to persecute those Christians belonging to the way. And as he was on, his, on the road, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to him and, and, and called him into the ministry. And that, that was the point of his conversion. So 25 years after that, Paul is writing this book. Now, within, 20, when, within those 25 years, Paul had already accomplished about 60% of the New Testament. He's written letters to Galatians, to, to the Philippians, to Ephesians. He's written all these letters by this time. By this time, Paul has been flogged. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned, imprisoned by this time. By this time, he has completed three missionary trips. And now it's not the trips that, that we imagine today where you can just take a flight and you can be across the world in a day. By, by foot, he would travel and he would go visit the churches and, 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 and he would preach to many. And some would believe and some wouldn't believe. And he would encounter the persecution and, and the riots of those that wanted to take his life and kill him. So after 25 years, he says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. After 25 years, I'm an apostle. After 25 years, I am called. Now, it is a powerful thing for someone who, after 25 years of ups and downs, can boldly say, I'm called by God. No matter what has gone on in my life, no matter how many times I was disappointed, no matter how many times I had to get back up again, I'm called by God. And so Paul the Apostle is writing to the Romans, and, and I, I feel the weight behind this statement because he is saying that I've been through a lot. I've gone through so many experiences, experiences that probably would have discouraged many and had, maybe many would have fallen by the wayside and have ran away. But I am called by God this morning because God has called me. God has called me this morning. He has called me to be here and in this place. Called by God. It is, it is a powerful thing when a Christian is called by God. Now, it, it's a powerful thing when someone is called to do what God has called them to do. Paul was called to be an apostle. Some are called to be teachers. Some are called to be evangelists. Some are called to, to give a word of encouragement. Some are called to be hospitable. Some are called to worship. Some are called to dance. When you know the call of God upon your life, you will be the most effective Christian in this planet because you're living in God's calling. Paul was in the call of God. That's why he didn't waver. That's why he was able to, to write this message at this time because he was in the will and in the call of God. When we are called by God, 
more than the knowledge, more than being prepared, we need to simply say this morning, I am here, Lord. Because God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Can I get an amen? God doesn't call the qualified. He didn't call Paul because he was, uh, he was on fire for the Lord and said, man, this guy has the zeal for me. No, he called him when he was a murderer. He called Paul when Paul was on his way to persecute his church. Paul by no means was qualified to be the apostle he was, but God called him. Many times God is going to call you and I to respond. And it's not whether we're ready and prepared, it's whether we can respond to the call of God. That's what it's about this morning. Many of us, we, we, we uh, hesitate to, to respond and step in in faith because we feel we're not ready. But the reality is God has called many men and women who were not ready, but they were willing to say, here am I. Here am I. I think about the story of the boy Samuel, a boy, young boy. It says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3 that uh, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. This young boy that, you know, if we don't know the story, his, his mom had dedicated you know, Samuel to the Lord. And so he served in the temple because she was barren. She couldn't have children. So she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And it says in verse 3 that the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no frequent vision. This is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. Now, the reason that is, is because Eli, the prophet, had some wicked sons in the earlier chapters. And when sin enters the camp, when sin enters the church, when sin enters our lives, it stops the move of God. It, it, it seizes the word, the fresh word of the Lord. It, 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 it stops the vision in the church. And so that's why this was, because there was sin within the temple. And so God's word was rare in those days. The spoken word was rare. And as the story goes, I'm going to paraphrase it. This young boy would hear his name being called out, Samuel. So he would get up and he would run to Eli and says, you called me, here I am. And he did this three times and it says that Eli perceived that this was the Lord calling him. So he said, son, next time you hear your name, answer to the Lord. And so we see here in verse 9, it says, therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down if and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Now God called a young boy named Samuel 
to become a prophet. And our response should be the same as his. Speak, Lord, because I am listening. If God called Paul, who by our definition was not qualified, you know, his, his resume probably wouldn't look really very nice on the Lord's desk. And if God called a, a boy who, who didn't have all the training of a, being a prophet and spoke to him and didn't speak to Eli, who had the title and the experience, what does that say about us this morning? It says that it's not about your age. It's not about your experience. It's not about your resume. It's about you saying, I am listening. I am listening to you, Lord. Speak to me. Tell me what you want me to do. I am listening to you. Now, there's a strong connection between a person's calling and a person's gifting. Let's go back to Romans in verse 11. It says, Paul says, I long to see you, that I may impart in you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He's saying to the, to the Romans. And verse 12 says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. There's a strong connection between a person's calling and a person's gifting. How many times have I got myself into trouble because I took a calling that I wasn't gifted for? A good example is seen in King David's life. In 1 Chronicles 17, now, in your calling, you can evangelize. You have a unique ability that God has given you to reach people that I can't reach. That your brother, your sister can't reach. But the important thing is that you are in the call that God has for you and that you have the gifts that the Holy Spirit has for your life. And with, between those two qualities, you can reach so many people around you. Now, someone said that everyone's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will believe its whole life that it, it was stupid. Now, that's true for, for Christians today. Many feel like, you know, they should be, you know, doing something that they see someone else doing. I should be like that. But the reality is God didn't call you to do that. And so you can believe your whole life that you're, that you're falling short of what you should be doing. But in reality, what you need to do is seek the Lord for your gift Seek the Lord for your calling and operate in that calling. Now, if we, if we begin to ask the Holy Spirit for his empowerment and gifting, our effectiveness to preach the gospel will be powerful and mighty. Let's jump to verse 16, because I believe this is the pinnacle of this chapter. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, 
the righteous shall live by faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I've been a Christian for many years. And every time I've read, I've read that scripture, the righteous shall be, live by faith, I've always thought, yeah, absolutely. What does that mean, Jesse? I don't know. But yeah, sure. It, it's, it, it, so what that means, right, to bring some clarity to the whole room, the righteous shall live by faith simply means those who are made righteous by faith will live. That's what it means. All right? So you can write that down. In case you were like me and you didn't know, well, now we know. Those that are made righteous by faith, in other words, those who have believed in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior will live forever with him. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, in the news this week, Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac became the first NBA player to stand for the national anthem. As the league resumed play after a 20-week hiatus due to the corona pandemic. Now, this is this information I got from CNN because it had uh, the testimony of this basketball player. The television broadcast showed Isaac, who is black, standing as players and coaches from both teams, as well as referees, took a knee during the playing of the national anthem. The 22-year-old forward was also the only player seen without wearing Black Lives Matter shirt. And then they asked for his, his, te his testimony after, and this is what he had to say. For me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel, he said. We all have things that we do wrong, and sometimes it gets into the place that we're pointing fingers at who's wrong and who's worse. Or who's wrong is seen, so I felt like the Bible tells us that we fall short of God's glory. That will help us bring us closer together and get past the skin color, he says. And get past anything that is on the surface that doesn't really get into the hearts of men and women. This basketball player, right, is not ashamed of the gospel. He made a stand when it was unpopular to do something. Everybody, you know, was taking the knee in. I'm not going to really get into all that, right? This is not the, the platform that I want to get into that. But the point I want to make is that he took a stand for Christ. His position was the cross is the answer for what is happening in the world today. And I'm going to stand for that. Okay, Paul says, I am not ashamed now, what I begin to ask myself when I read this is, why did Paul feel the need to write that phrase? I am not ashamed. Now, I don't know about you, but someone who says that in our culture usually is, usually it's because they were ashamed and they're trying to overcome shame. Right? I'm not ashamed to say 
fill in the blank, right? And so it's kind of like a, 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 a coming out, a, a way of expressing that, that you're not, no longer ashamed. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's not trying to break out of this shame of the message. I, I want to make that clear, and I, I, I want to really focus on what was Paul saying when he said he, wasn't, uh, he was not ashamed. Now, in, the, in, in ancient Rome, okay, and this is probably going to bring clarity to this statement. In ancient Rome, the most popular form of worship to all the gods and goddesses was do it des. Said that right? It was a form of worship. So in ancient Rome, everybody had their gods, their Greek gods, their mythological gods in their homes. And they had that phrase, and it, it was the common language amongst the whole empire. And what that phrase meant was, I give that you might give. It was a very common thing to believe that during this time. Everybody knew it. It was popular. It was common. It was received through all the different religions. This was the practice. What does that mean? It means that the Roman citizen of that day gave to their God, sacrificed to their God, prayed to their God, lived according to the laws of their God, and they gave so that their God might give back to them. Now, if you think the televangelists made that up, not true. This was very popular back in the days. And I want to make something very clear, and I have a conviction about this, and I'm not saying it just to say it, but when we give to the Lord... We don't give so that he might give to us. That is a wrong theology. We give to the Lord because we love the Lord. We give to the Lord because he first gave everything to us. We give to the Lord because we want to see the furtherance of his kingdom. We don't preach, give so that you might be blessed. That is wrong theologically unsound, and that comes from a pagan theology and mindset. See, when Paul was preaching the gospel and he said, I'm not ashamed, what he was saying at that time was that he's preaching a gospel that says, God has given everything to you when you didn't deserve nothing. And that was so contrary, and it was so uh, irreverent according to the Roman citizen. Because their mindset was, I need to give everything that I have so that I might get a little favor. But Paul was saying, my God says he gives you everything when you gave nothing. And that's why he wasn't ashamed to preach this message. Because it was not popular. It wasn't popular to preach that. It wasn't popular to say that my God died on the cross. What? A God came from heaven and humiliated himself? That was not popular in that culture. And Paul was saying, I'm not ashamed of that. 
I'm proud to say that my God gave everything and left everything on the cross for you. Now, another thing was, in that culture, gods were everywhere. In that culture, it was very common for the wife to have her god, her shrine set up in this part of the house. And it was popular for the husband to have his god and the kids to have their god. And it was, it was very plausible that there was multiple gods in a home. Now, there was a story of a missionary sent to India during one of his crusades. And he gave a call to accept Jesus Christ. And he said that hundreds came and received Jesus Christ. And he had an interpreter. And he thought something was up. So he asked his interpreter, why? So many people are coming up. So being quickened by the Holy Spirit, he told his interpreter, tell everybody that responded that Jesus has to be the only God in their lives. And he says, the hundreds that came, many hundreds went back to their seats. Because they wanted to fit Jesus Christ as one of their many gods. And see, that's what happens even in our culture. We have many people that want to fit Jesus with the rest of their gods. And so when Paul was preaching this message and said, I am not ashamed of this gospel, he was again combating the common belief that Jesus can be one of many, but he was saying, no, he is the one and only true God. And this was upsetting the Roman citizen. It was not a popular belief by any means. And Paul was saying, I am proud of this gospel message. Because it's truth, and truth, and only the truth of God will set you free. I'm not ashamed of this message. We live in a world where the gospel message is becoming very unpopular in our culture. And it seems like more churches and more Christians are concerned with being relevant rather than being unashamed of the gospel message. You can ask any Christian, are you, are you unashamed of the gospel? I guarantee you the answer is going to be yes. I'm unashamed. If you ask the, the, the Christian, would you be persecuted for your faith? They would say yes. If you knew someone who was sick, would you pray for that person? Absolutely. I don't believe the Christian today is lacking faith. I believe we have faith and we believe in God and we believe in Jesus. I believe where the lack is, is in the knowledge of our calling and our gifting. And if we begin to operate in that power, I guarantee you we're going to be preaching the gospel. I guarantee you we're going to be effective in what we do for the Lord. Now, I want to end with the last phrase of this uh, verse. And it says, it is the power of God. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. The power of God is much different than the words, the world's view of power. So often those who have the power of wealth suffer from anxiety. 
It's not uncommon to hear of a celebrity uh, taking their life because of the power of wealth, company, and influence doesn't seem to fill the void in their life. The power of this world does not compare, nor does it offer anything compared to the power of God, the power of the gospel. Only the power of the gospel has the power to fill the void that we have in our lives. Nothing can do that in this world. There's no satisfaction that this world has to offer that is going to fill the void. Only the power of the gospel can do that. Only the power of the gospel can break chains in our lives. Only the power of the gospel can break strongholds in our lives. The world cannot offer that. And so Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it is God's power for salvation. I'm not ashamed because the power that saves this people, that saves people from this world is in Jesus Christ. The power that this world offers has nothing on God, nothing on the cross. It is the only power that we have in our lives that will fill us and complete us and commission us to preach the gospel. This morning, I would like to challenge you as we come to a close this morning. Perhaps you have thought, wow, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job preaching the gospel. Before you beat yourself up, I want to encourage you this morning as we bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to encourage you this morning. See, the thing I began to think about this morning as I was coming to this close and thinking about how we preach the gospel and not being ashamed, I thought, you know what, there's many Christians. Statistically, it says that only 10% of Christians preach the gospel and fewer have led someone to the Lord. And I thought to myself, that, that can't be right. <laughs> but it's right. It's what the statistics say. But, you know, I begin to think about this chapter. And what I begin to think about this morning is that I've never met a person who was ashamed of their gift. I've never met a person who was ashamed of a gifting that they had. If you've ever, you know, come to the table with friends and you brought board games out and maybe you brought out Pictionary, you always have the person that pipes up and says, well, you know, I have a degree in drawing. And so, you know, people are not ashamed when they have a gift and they know how to use it. When God empowers you with his Holy Spirit and gives you the gifts that only apply to you, I guarantee you that you're going to have the boldness to operate in that gift. <laughs>